0: Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome back to Babylon Talmud. Today we're studying Daph Mem, 40 of Mesech Sachim. Yeah, today we're just talking about like Chomets a bit and Chomets coming in contact with water. At what point do you have to guard the wheat and the flour to make sure it doesn't become Chomets? And Yanem like that. So we're all the way, all the way at the bottom of Daph Lamed Tesemud Beis. Amr of Yosef says of Yosef, a person shouldn't pour boiling water over two, um, like, wheat berries. Okay, because we're concerned that if you have two wheat berries, well then, there might be like a split in one of them. And one of them will kind of rest in the split of the other. Because we're concerned that if um, there's a split in one of the wheat berries, then the other wheat berry might split, um, rest in that split, which would mean that the water, the hot water, wouldn't very well get into that split, and then in the split. It might become has Got it? Good. Omar Abayi says, Abayi, a person shouldn't singe to, Um, was it, stocks? I think this was barley, no? What does say? say? Um, I don't know. Oh, no, wheat. Oh, yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah, it's wheat. I think. So, a person shouldn't take two stalks of wheat and then, um, like, singe one of them. Because we're concerned that maybe some, like, wheat juice will, um, come out of, like, one of them and go into the other one. And then the recipient of the wheat juice can become chametz Amalei rave. So Rav says, Tabaye, if that's the case, Rav says, hey, Abaye, if you're concerned about some wheat juice coming from one stalk and going into the other, why don't you even be concerned just about one stalk of wheat, that maybe some wheat juice will come out from the top of the stalk and get into some of the wheat at the bottom of the stalk. Say Amar Rav says, Rav May Ninu. Wheat juice is just fruit juice. And um, fruit juice doesn't make things leaven. And Abaye actually retracted what he had said about uh, wheat juice getting from one stalk onto the other stalk. Because anything that's flowing doesn't cause things to leaven. And I guess this Wheat juice is flowing from one stock to the other, so it won't cause any fermentation. If you have some kind of jug that you're like i don't know uh, heating up wheat in this jug um, so if shari, if it is like overturned, then it' will be permitted because. If it's overturned, then I guess any of the wheat juice that is coming out of it will like flow downward. But is the kifa if it's like upwards, that all of the uh, wheat juice will just kind of like stick to the bottom, I guess. Also, oh, all right. Okay. Rav um, Amr says, Rav, I feel nami shari. May Paris, Paris, Says Rav, even the upright one is osir because even if all the um, wheat juice is just kind of like chilling there at the bottom it won't make it um, uh, khametz since we're talking about fruit juice and fruit juice doesn't make things khametz so I guess guess if you have like this thing that you're heating up these wheats in them so I guess if you flip it over then anything coming out of it will be downwards and I guess on the move because of like gravity I guess but if it's like uh, just right side, you know, in, the, in its proper way, all, all the juice, I guess, will just kind of hang out and pull by the rest of the wheat. And the Rebbe said, So again, the said, So specifically, barley, you may not soak on Pesach. Okay? And if you did soak barley on Pesach, Nizbaku Asurus, if they split, so then they would be an issue of Chometz. Lo Nizbaku Mutaris. But if they didn't split, well, then they're okay. Rabbi Yosi Yomer, Shoren B'Chometz, So Rabbi says, well, if you soaked barley on Pesach, then just put them in uh, vinegar, and the vinegar will stop the um, leavening. Amr Shmuel, alachik Shmuel says that ta'alachik is not like Ribiosi. Amr v'chizda, Amr m'a'ukva, umamish, so says Rav Chizda the name of m'a'ukva, that when we're talking about this barley, if it's split, it's chametz, it doesn't literally mean that it has to split. kol even if this barley gets to the point where if you would put it on top of a barrel of wine, and then they would split on their own from the fumes of the wine. That would be considered split enough to be considered chomets. Whereas Shmuel disagrees and he says, no, it literally needs to split. And one time Shmuel was in a place of uh, a guy named Barhashu. Uh, and he ruled over there that, in you know, like his reasoning, like his opinion, which is, that the barley would have to split mamish. Omer Rabbah. Banefesh lo yilsos. So, Rabbah says that somebody who's a Yari a God-fearing Yid, so lo yilsos, he won't soak. Now, he's not specific about what exactly he's not going to soak, but says Rabbah, Somebody who's a Yerushimaim will not soak on Pesach. My Bal Afidu To which the Gemara says, Raba, what do you mean? Somebody who's a Yerushimaim will not soak on Pesach. Anybody shouldn't be soaking on Pesach. because we learned in a saying that we don't soak barley on Pesach. So this is what Raba is saying. Afidu the Aha. So, so this is what Rab is saying. Rabba is saying that a Yorish Shemaim, even wheat, he will not soak on Pesach. Even though wheat are hard, and and less of an issue of becoming comets. nonetheless, if you're a Yorish Shemaim, you won't even soak wheat on Pesach. What's this? Omar Rav Nachman says of Nachman. This is very interesting. Lamaisa somebody who listens to um, Abba somebody who listens to um, Abba and he's referring to Raba as Abba now why is that interesting so Abba basically is just a Lashon of Kavod also we've seen Shmuel <coughs> sometimes referred to Rav as Abba but what's interesting about this is that I don't know, I m- my understanding is that Rav Nachman was older than Rabba. Rav Nachman was a student of Rav and Shmuel. And Rav was a student of Rav Yehuda and Rav Huna. I think, who were students of Rav and Shmuel. So he was kind of like the next generation. So it's interesting that Rav Nachman was referring to Rav as Abba, but okay. But also he says, so anybody who listens to Rav is going to be eating basically unclean bread because if you're not soaking your wheat, so then you're not gonna have very fine bread because it will be dirty. <laughs> by the house of Ravhuna they would soak the um wheat rubber by oven Latse, they would also soak the wheat by rubber by our oven. So says, you know, if you do like rabba that you don't um Soak wheat on Pesach, and well, then you can have dirty matzah. Interesting. What's also interesting is that Raba was was poor. Raba was very poor. Rav Nachman, I believe, was very wealthy. He was the son-in-law of the Reish Galusa. So it's also interesting that like uh, could be that Rav Nachman was more familiar with the more pleasurable things in life, perhaps. And for him, like the concept of eating anything other than fine. Flower maybe was like, why the heck would anybody want to do that? Or maybe Rabba um, wasn't as accustomed to those types of things. And maybe it was less of a big deal for him. Interesting. Velma Ravit. No. Vira and Rava said, Also lilsos, you're not allowed to soak any kinds of uh, grains on Pesach. Elhadetaniye lososin soorin be Pesach. But what about the Braith that says that we don't soak barley on Pesach? Soorin huidilo ha'chite shari. But doesn't that mean that we don't soak barley but we're allowed to soak wheat? So the Gemara answers no. It doesn't mean that. Lomi mi ka'amar say not only this but even that gave the Syria certainly wheat which has splits in it, so water will get in and certainly you cannot soak wheat. Avo kamash Malun. but I may have thought that barley since it is smooth, so maybe then the water won't get in and maybe that would be okay. That is what the Bryce is teaching us, that even barley, you don't, you don't soak, but certainly not wheat. But then Rava retracted and he says, Mutter, That you're allowed to soak wheat and barley on, well, I guess barley would probably be a problem, because we have a that says not to, but Rava says you'd be allowed to soak wheat on Pesach, as we learn in the because Rava says, after all, we have a Bryce that says that you're allowed to use matzes that are Nikia, that are made from, like, clean, white, fine flour, um, as well as coarse flour. But VEFs are Nikia below the Sisa. Now, if the b'risa says that you're allowed to use, you know, very, uh, clean, white flour, well, how do you get clean, white flour? The way you get it is by first soaking it. You soak the wheat, and then it makes it easier to uh, crush into white flour. So, from the fact that you can use pasnakia, right, clean Matzis on pesach, must mean that you're soaking the wheat first. Aesfer of Papa, the rubber Papa says not necessarily. You can have pasnakia without lisisa, because we have a price that says <speaking in Hebrew> that regular flour and fine flour shall not if it belongs to non-Jews, or if you're buying it from non-Jews, so it depends where you're buying it from. If you're buying it from the villages, so then you can assume that they are tahor, that they um, are not mochshel the Whereas if you purchase the flour from the cities, well then the flour will be mochshel kabel Now, the my time, how come? The flour that you purchase from the villages would not be Motum Is it not because in the villages, they're not as particular as in the cities, and therefore they don't soak their grains first, right? So if you buy flour from the vill- from the non jews in the villages, you can assume that they are not Mosho Kabutuma since they probably did not soak them, whereas, Right. And of course we know that in order for some for food to be Mukshal it would have to excuse me come in contact with water. Now therefore, okay, and in the cities we're saying that it would be Mukshal Kabutumistama because they're soaking them in order to produce a finer flour. Now, Vikakari Le Solis. And still we're saying that, you know, we're still referring to the flour that you're buying. From the villages as well as from the cities, as right, don't purchase kemach or soles. Don't per- per- purchase regular flour or fine flour. No, not not don't purchase. But if you buy regular flour or fine flour, so then if you purchase it from the villages, it would be not it would be not mochshel kavu If you purchase it from the cities, it would be mochshel kavu But we're still referring to the flowers from both the city and from the village as. Regular flour and f- fine flour. So we see that it's possible to make even fine flour without soaking. So, Rava, your assertion that we must be able to soak wheat, soak wheat on Pesach because you're allowed to use matzah from fine flour and therefore must be that you could soak the wheat in order to get that fine flour. Not necessarily. You can get fine flour even without soaking. So, Taguma Akimcha. So, the Guma says not necessarily. You could say that when the... Um, saying that according that in the villages, right, even though they're not soaking or the villages where they don't soak, so for them it actually the solace is irrelevant. It would really just be the um regular kemach. But the fine flour would specifically be in the cities where they are soaking the wheat. Basudunafik Omar. So then after Rava left, Rav Papa remembered a brisa, and he said, Dang it, this would have been the real proof. Omar my time meha to Amr How come I didn't say to Rava what Rav Ribzera said the name of Rabirmio says the name of Shmuel, Khitan Osam, Vikakari that Ribzera said the name of Rabirmi said the name of Shmuel, that the wheat of the Korban Mincha, you don't soak them and yet we call it solace. So there is a proof that you can have fine flour even without soaking. And therefore, Rava's proof that you must be able to soak wheat on Pesach, because you can have fine flour on Pesach, that doesn't—you can have fine flour even without soaking. Okay. Other Amar Rava, then said, mitzvah <inaudible> Lilasos, Not only are you allowed, not only is it mutter, not only is it permissible to soak your wheat on Pesach, it's a mitzvah to soak wheat on Pesach. Shneamar, as the pasuk says, ushmartem <inaudible> esamatzis. The pasuk says that you need to guard the matzus. Now, at what point do you need to guard the matzus? If not for the, you know, it must be that you need to guard it when you're soaking the wheat, right? Meaning, you take the wheat and you soak it, and at that point you have to be very careful, make sure it doesn't become chametz. And if you're going to say that no, what it means is guard. The matzahs, while you're preparing the dough, meaning, don't worry about soaking, no, it's not what it's talking about, it's talking about when you add the water to the flour at that point, be careful, guard it, make sure it doesn't become chametz. No, that's not what it's talking about. To Amr Avuna, because Avuna says, if you go to a non-Jew and you purchase dough from him, not matzahs, but dough, he makes the dough, you purchase it from him. So so you're allowed to eat them on Pesach. That's fine. But just make sure that at the end, you eat a kazayas of matzah. So if it's Pesach night, and you have matzahs that you purchased the dough from a non-Jew, and then you baked it yourself. So eat as much of it as you want. That's fine. However, just make sure that at the end, you eat a kazayas of matzah that you prepared yourself. The dough. So in, Shonalo. So you yotze the chiyuv of, of Akhilas Matza with this matzah that you ate at the end, not with the matza that you ate from the non-Jew earlier. So my Taima, how come? What's the problem with the matzas that you you know ate from the dough from the non-Jew? So Mishum de Lo Right, right, my time. The reason why you can't be yotze with the matzah that you purchased the dough from the non-Jews Because there was no proper Ushmarta Mesa Matzah There was no proper guarding But why not? After all, all you bought was dough You made sure that obviously at the time that you bought the dough It wasn't chametz Because if it was chametz, obviously you wouldn't be able to eat it So clearly you bought dough that had not yet risen and then you guarded it to make sure that it wouldn't rise and you baked it. Why would that not be acceptable? You did a proper guarding, no? So what do we see? So we see that it must be that we need to guard it already from earlier, from the time of soaking. So there you have it, that wheat needs to be, that we soak wheat for Matzah San Pesach. And from that point, you already need to be guarding it. Umimai. Who says that this is necessarily a proof that you need to um, soak the grain earlier and then you do shimur at that point? Dilmashani. Also, maybe it's different when it comes to the dough that was purchased from non-Jews. Because the be'inadunach is the shimur. Because at the point, at that initial point where it required shimur, meaning, maybe I can argue... That you really only need to guard the matzahs from the time that you're needing them, from the time that you add the water. The difference is over here that at the time that the water was added, it was it was being added by a non-Jew. You weren't there, so maybe right the beinah the shimur at the time that that guarding became relevant lo avid shimur there was no shimur because it was by the non-Jew still. But maybe I'll argue that if. You know, maybe I can argue that the guarding of the matzahs really only needs to happen from the time of kneading it. And as long as there's somebody there to guard the dough from the time that the water is added, that would be considered kneading. You wouldn't, that would, that would be considered guarding. You wouldn't have to have any kind of guarding before then. Even though we made this argument that perhaps you can argue that you really, maker, then only need to guard the dough from the time that you add the water, nonetheless, Rava still maintained his opinion that you need to guard the matzahs from even an earlier point. Because Rava said to those people who were um, like gathering bundles of grain, that when you gather this grain already from the field, from when you're harvesting the grain already, you should um, do this for the intention of the mitzvah So we see that you already need to be guarding the grain from an earlier point, from the time of harvest. And maybe this is the source for like, you know, right? There's like different levels of so you have like matzas that are guarded from the time that they're harvested. And it sounds like this is like Rava, right? Rava is saying that even from the time that you're gathering the grain in the fields, make sure to that it should be guarded. Interesting. My brother Ravina, Imei arve. Aha. My Ravina's mother, I don't know, maybe that's Ravina's wife? I don't know. She would guard um, his wheat for him in buckets from the time that it was harvested so that um, they would be guarded for Pesach. Very interesting. How Arvadachite, there was a certain boat. Laden with wheat, ditava tava and it sunk in the chista river. Rava Ravil zabuni the Nachrim, and Rava said, "You know all of this wheat that was on the boat that got inundated with water, you would be allowed to sell to non-Jews, and that way, you know you don't worry about chametz um, to sell to non-Jews. It's fine." by the the Kasha to If you have a garment, let's say a woolen garment. And a thread of linen gets into the woolen garment. Oh yeah, 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 So it's shotness. You can't wear it. And don't even sell it to a non-Jew. Don't make it into like a saddle for a donkey. But you can make it into, um, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Shrouds for a um. For a, um, for a mace, for a corpse. Right? Because as, as Rashi says, he quotes a Gemara and the and the that once a person dies, he becomes free from mitzvahs. And therefore, shotness isn't relevant to a corpse. And therefore, you can make shrouds from shotness. Okay? So if you have a garment of shotness, don't sell it to a non Jew. Don't make it into a, a saddle for your donkey. But you're allowed to make it into shrouds for a corpse. So, Lenachi my time alone, what's the problem with selling Kilim to a non-Jew? So, Lab Mishum, is it not because he might then sell it to a Jew? And this isn't just any regular Kilim, because of course we've seen that Gemara a few times where we have the person who is selling Kilim and we're saying he's allowed to wear it as long as he doesn't intend in the summer to protect himself from the sun and in the winter to protect himself from the cold, and from the rain. So, that would be obvious shotness, right? You'd be allowed to sell obvious shotness to non-Jews because then, you know, if they sell it to, then if the non-Jew sells it to a Jew, the Jew will realize that it's shotness. But this is like a woolen garment that one thread of linen got mixed in over there. So, we're concerned, don't sell it to the non-Jew, right? Because he might then end up selling it to the, to a Jew and the Jew won't realize because after all, there's only like one thread of linen in there. So, coming back to our case, when it comes to the boat that was filled with wheat that sunk. So, how could Ravah say that you could sell the wheat to a non-Jew? If he ends up selling that wheat to a Jew, he'll have Chometz on Pesach. So rather, Ravah retracted what he said and he said, no, instead what you should do is you can sell one Kav at a time, one small measure at a time, even to Yidin, because um, you know, as long as there's enough time to reliably get to consume all of that wheat before Pesach, so you sell them in little bits, so that um, everybody will be able, to, so that we can assume that it will have already been eaten by the time Pesach arrives. One of the rabbis taught, "In molin esakidera pesach. Okay, you don't add flour to a cooked dish on Pesach. If you want to add flour to a dish on Pesach, So first put in the flour into the dish, and then you add the vinegar. Those who say, First you put in the vinegar, and then afterwards you put in the flour. The assumption being that the vinegar will somehow act against the flour and prevent it from becoming chametz. Who is that opinion who says that you can even put the flour into the vinegar meaning so if you have a cooked dish and it's like cooking or whatever and you put in flour and then you pour vinegar on it so the assumption is right the Tanakama says that the vinegar that you pour onto the flour will kind of like deactivate it but if you already put in the vinegar and the vinegar has already been mixed with all the other foods in the dish and then you put in the flour well then the vinegar may not be strong enough to like counteract the flour therefore the Tanakama says that you would specifically have to put in the flour first. However, we have this other opinion who says that you can even put water, you can even add water to, no, not water, you can even add flour to the a dish that already has vinegar mixed into it and that would still um, be able to counteract the flour. So, who is this opinion who says that you'd even be able to put the flour into this dish that already has the vinegar mixed in and we won't be concerned about chametz? So, Amr Chizda rabbi Yehuda. So, efchizda says it's rabbi Yehuda. is, we learn it in Mishnah ilpis vakadera. A pan or a pot, shavirin mu'sachin, that you took it off the fire right before Shabbos and it was really, really boiling hot. So, if it's right before Shabbos or Shabbos is starting, don't put spices in there. Because it's a clearishon. Right? The, the boiling water is going to cook the spices. But if you take some of the soup or whatever, some of the hot boiling contents, and put it into a second kli, into some kind of a bowl, well, then it's a kli And then it would be fine, it wouldn't be cooking the spices. Rabbi Yudha says, Rabbi you could put the spices into anything, but not something that has or some kind of brine. So we see that according to Rabbi Yehuda, um, even a dish that has vinegar in it, so it will cook the spices, right? right? Rabbi Yehuda is saying you can put the spices in whatever you want, as long as there isn't vinegar. But if there's vinegar, it'll cook the spices. So here also, we're going to say that the Yeshomim is Rabbi Yehuda, who says that you can even put in the vinegar first and then put in the flour because the vinegar, the vinegar is going to deactivate. The flour, even if the vinegar was mixed in with the rest of the food first. V'nukbal Why don't we establish the Eish omen like Rabiyosi, the as we learned in Abraisa earlier. Rabiosi Omer Shorun B'chomets bechometz, Tzom We said that if you had soaked barley in water, right, we had said earlier, don't soak barley in water. But if you did, Rabiosi says just throw the barley into vinegar and the vinegar will deactivate it. So we see that that Rabiosi also says that vinegar will deactivate the fermentation. So, You can argue that when Rabiosi says Put the barley in the vinegar And the vinegar will deactivate the fermentation That is only when the vinegar It's like only vinegar there But here we're talking about cooking And vinegar is just one ingredient So maybe in that case um, Rabiosi would say that the vinegar Mixed together with everything else Would be unable to prevent the fermentation Okay. says Ulah Whether you put in the vinegar first, whether you put in the flour first, it makes no difference. Stay away from it. Mishum, because of we say to a nazir, Hey, go away. Go around, do not go into the vineyard. Right? A nazir of course is not allowed to eat grapes, so we suggest That, hey, don't even go near the vineyard. Just stay away. Here also. And when it comes to Chametz and Pesach, just stay away. Don't play with fire. Don't put uh, flour into dishes and vinegar afterwards to deactivate the flour. Just, just stay away. Don't, don't get close to making Chametz. Um, Rav Rav Papi permitted the people who worked in the house of the Reish Galusa to thicken up dishes with um, cooked, with like baked, um, like wheat flour. Says Rava hey, is there really anybody who would say that this would be permitted in a place where there's so many people working? Said that those who say the Rav actually said the opposite, not just like who would say that this is permitted, but he actually himself would um, thicken up dishes with um, this like baked flour. All right, so I guess then that would mean it was okay. Okay, well, that was Daf Mem of Masakta Psachim. We basically talked about like wheat becoming flour. Uh, becoming Khamets and barley And there was that interesting thing that came up though uh, Towards the bottom of Amr Aleph About Rava saying that you already have to guard the, the the wheat from the time That it's harvested essentially Which is super interesting I, I, I suspect that that might be the source For um, Matzah Shmura from the time of harvest Which is very interesting Alright peace